I am so excited about what I have to talk to you about today. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about quantum physics. Are you excited about that? Three people are excited about that. That's good. But we're going to uh, just see what God has for us today. I think it's going to change your life. It's going to change your relationships. You know, this ancient book that we study, the Bible, unlocks the secrets of the universe. I, it, I don't know what you think about the Bible here this morning. Maybe your view is that it's just an, uh, an outdated book, got outdated rules and regulations. Well, you haven't read the Bible lately because the Bible is so much different than that. Maybe as a freshman in college, you know, you had that class and that professor said it's just a bunch of, of myths and, and old stories and you disregarded it since then. Maybe you've never even picked it up. But let me tell you, the Bible unlocks these amazing secrets for us and teaches us how to live in synchronicity with the laws of the universe and how the universe works. One of the important claims of Scripture about creation is that God is actively involved still in his creation. He's not detached and impersonal. A lot of scientists... Uh, agnostics who, who would acknowledge that God exists because you can't really explain this. They would call him the first cause, like he started it, maybe the Big Bang or something like that, and, and then he just stepped back. But let me just read to you out of the book of Hebrews, the opening chapter. Um, the Bible pictures God's role in the universe. This is out of the Amplified Version, which takes the New Testament Greek and it, and it just expands it out so that we can really understand it because sometimes we don't get all the nuances in English. So here it is. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. If you want to open your little worship guide, it's in there in the middle for you, a place to uh, write down a few things, do some homework. But in the last of these days, God has spoken to us in the person of a son whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. Also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. That is, he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outrain, or the radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. You see, as the Bible unlocks the secrets of the universe, how God designed the, the universe to work, it begins to lay out certain principles and, and things. And we're going to look at some of that today. I want to really focus down on one of those secrets, a secret that once understood, I think will change all of your relationships, especially your romantic relationships, but all of them. It's the amazing secret of the space between us. We all have space between us. We all live in separate realities because we have a separate experience. That's how God designed this universe, that you would be inside your own head. You can't be inside someone else's head, right? You can't know <clears throat> what's going on there. Now, there is a, an object reality out there, but none of us are quite quite have all of that, right? Because of our experiences and other things, we define things certain ways. 
in the book of 1 Corinthians, there is what we call the love chapter. Maybe you had it read at your wedding. It, it says some amazing things that go already countercultural. It says that love isn't a feeling, not a mushy feeling that you feel that comes and goes and you have it and then you don't have it. Love is action. Love is, and he starts to name all these different actions. Patient. Love is kind. All of these things. And then Paul, the apostle who's writing this, inspired by God's spirit, he says almost a nonsensical phrase. He says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in our weddings, we go, oh, that is so sweet. What, what poetry, how poetic. No, it's not poetry. It's an amazing principle of God. And I wanna, what I want to do in the next few minutes is explain what the Bible's getting at and then kind of come back to this verse again and read it through a new lens. What the Bible does, Paul does, the apostle, he takes a little Greek word and we translate it all and he uses that, he matches it up with four different Greek words or phrases and four times he, he says these things and this whole phrase goes together to make a concept in the Greek. Uh, you take them individually and they don't always make sense. Like if I read the phrase, love believes all things, I would go like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, isn't that what dysfunctional people do? Isn't that sound a little naive? I, I, I mean, is that, is that kind of unhealthy? Believes all things? That's not what he's trying to say. What he's saying, he's saying a phrase. You put them all together. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What he's saying is because I live in a separate reality from you inside my own experience and I'm not inside your head living your experience. In every relationship, there is space between us. What I would do, what I would expect, and what you do. Between every one of us, there is space. I expected you to do this, but in actuality, you did that. Why? You said that we were going to leave for church at 9 o'clock. It's 9.30 and you're still not ready. Why? Right? You said from now on you were going to do these chores and help me and wash the dishes. And the dishes are piling up. Why? You know? You promised you would call. You still haven't called. You said you would never do that again. You're doing that again. Right? At some point in every relationship, especially romantic relationships, there's going to be space between us. What I would do, what I expect, and what you actually do. You said you'd pick up the kids on every Wednesday, and for the last three Wednesdays, you've called and asked me to pick the kids up, right? It can be deep, it can be shallow, it can be general, but in every relationship, especially romantic relationships, we discover there's space between us. Now, here's the thing. In that space, in God's universe, that space between us, the Bible says there is already something filling, holding in that space. But if we don't know the secret of the space and what's there, we'll try to put something else there. See, I told you there's something there, right? <laughs> if we don't understand the, the fundamental secret of the universe that I'm about to share with you... Um, <laughs> If I don't know God's truth, then there can only be two things that determine what go in the space because I don't know the truth of it. Somebody said they're going to do something, they didn't do it. So the first would be what I see, what I see. I see that you said you were going to do it, but you didn't do it. You didn't keep 
your promise. The second thing, because it's all I have to put in the space, would be who I am. Who I am. Because all of us grew up in some kind of a, a family, some kind of a home. Whatever happens over time happens to you uh, in your experience to cope with, you, you learn how to cope with life and you develop these little tools. And see, what I would say right now to you is congratulations, you're a survivor. You're a survivor. You, you made it through. I mean, that family of origin, I know some of your stories and it's horrific and it was terrible. Some people would have just curled up and died, but you didn't. But you developed some little tools to survive and that's what you put in the space between a lot of time. I'm not saying that those space-filling tools are not justified and they worked as a kid, but how are they doing now? in your marriage relationship? How are they doing now as an adult? Paul even says in this love chapter, put away childish things. That's what he's talking about. Some of you, the space inside of you, uh, it just can't hold because of what you've put in there. You say, yeah, I knew I would fail again. I knew this relationship would fail. I knew it, it was too good. I don't deserve it. I, I knew it was gonna fail. Or I knew that uh, I was gonna relapse. I just knew it, I knew it, I knew I couldn't hold it. So, are you ready for a wild ride? Are you ready? Keep your hands and your feet inside the roller coaster, because here we go. Are you ready? The Bible explains it this way. And again, from the Amplified Bible, Colossians 1.17, what is in the space between us? It says this, and Jesus himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. It's such an interesting word, hold together. Sunistemi in the Greek. It means to cohere, to, to attach, to hold. The passage applies to how God made the universe, especially down to the structure of the atom. Here's where it gets really crazy to me. Scientists have an inviolable law that, that can't be broken, they said. It's called Coulomb's Law. It means, and what that is, is that like charges of electricity, electromagnetism, and magnets repel each other. So if you have positive on positive, it repels. You remember that like in grade school when you were trying to do the magnets and like, wow, that's weird. You feel this force that pushes them away. Well, what's really crazy, you know what's in the center of an atom when they finally got down and figured it out? There's protons, they're positively charged particles, and there's neutrons that have no charge. So when nuclear scientists in the 1930s got down and figured out what an atom looked like, they concluded that Coulomb's law of mutual repulsion between objects should be at work in the nucleus, and it is at work in the nucleus of every atom, trying hard to destroy it from within because the protons are all positive and there's nothing negative in there. So they should pop apart. They should blow apart. They should repel each other. They're all positive. Now, I didn't learn that in school. I learned about protons, but I never thought about that. There's another force that's acting on the nucleus of the atom. And, and scientists came up with this. Uh, I mean, it's a strong force and it, it, it uh, is like, exponentially stronger than gravity, exponentially long, stronger than electromagnetism, and it, it's just really strong force. Scientists came up with this amazing name for it. You know what they call it? The strong force. 
I was like, that's it? Come on, you can do better than that, surely. But they haven't got the faintest idea what it is. It's exceedingly strong, but it only acts on, on distances smaller than the nucleus of an atom. Carl Darrow, physicist with the Bell Labs in New York City, said, these nuclei have no right to be alive at all. In fact, they should never have been created if they were created. They should have been blown up instantly. Yet, there they are. And they are everything. Something is relentlessly holding them together. And I would dare say that the Bible doesn't say something. It says someone. Did you see what the scripture says? He holds all things together. Talking about Jesus, he holds all things together. There's an active force imposed upon the universe which actively holds each individual atom of the material world together moment by moment, day by day, century by century. It's inescapable that the Bible claims that that's God, that that's Jesus. Dynamically sustaining the universe, including the very atoms themselves. Atoms, it would seem, are stable only because force and energy are being supplied. And this is a quote from one of the scientists. Being supplied into their physical nuclear binding from outside the system. Oh, what does that even mean? They don't know that either. But it doesn't fit into the system. In him, all things hold together. There's someone in the space between us holding the very fabric of the universe together. We also know from Scripture that at some point in the future, this holding together will be let go. It's going to be let go. It's no coincidence to me, because I always see the Bible as so accurate in all these things, that the predicted scientific effect is exactly the outcome depicted by Peter. And this is... 2,000 years ago, right? Didn't have any concept of atoms or nuclear or anything like that. But listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 9 through 11. Now the Lord is not slow about enacting his promise. Slow is how some people want to characterize it. No, he's not slow, but patient. He's merciful to you, not wanting anyone to be destroyed, but wanting everyone to turn away from following his own path and turn toward God's. Then he says, you need to know the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And on that day, the sky will vanish with a roar. Roy Sedan, a rushing, sustained roar. The elements, the word for elements, stoikeion, which literally means the fundamental building blocks of the universe will melt. And that word melt is interesting, luo. To, it will, they will be loosed. Whatever is tied down will be loosed. With intense heat. And the earth and all the works done on it will be seen as they truly are. Knowing that one day all this will come to pass. Think what sort of people you ought to be. How you should be living. There's going to come a time in the future when God lets go of the force which holds the atom together. This passage, like the one in Colossians, suggests that the active power of God is behind this mysterious strong force that scientists can't explain. I want you to take a look at what it looks like when these atoms are loosed, when the 
protons in the middle of it are loose. Take a look at what that looks like. Maybe you've seen that before, you know? The releasing, the loosing of the binding force destroys the nuclei of the, the atom. The law of repulsion, Coulomb's law, takes over. And then it also says, in, it, it's so interesting, it says the sky will vanish with a roar. The Atlantic Monthly from 2017 says, we found some testing footage from 1953 at Yucca Flat. You know, they don't sit around like maybe North Korea tries to, but nobody else tries to test nuclear bombs as much today, you know. So um, here's an example, and, and I was listening to it online. It says, you begin to hear what it sounds like because you never hear the sound. You always see the pictures, but it says it's jarring to hear. This is a quote from the Atlantic Monthly. The boom is more like a shotgun than a thunderclap, and it's followed by a sustained roar. And it just, when I was listening online, it just, it just kept going. It was a roar that was, you know, like a deafening roar, and it just kept on going and going and going. Now, the atom is small, but recent science has been able to go smaller. It's called quantum mechanics. Uh, they've made huge advances in the realm of quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics is the scientific study of anything smaller than an atom. And they've been on a quest, researchers have been, to, to divide matter down to its absolute smallest component part. And there was a theory that was the, the strongest theory out there for many years that if you had good enough technology and you knew how to do it, you could continue to divide matter down forever. You know, it was just infinite how much you could, you just keep dividing, get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and this assumption has recently been proved wrong. Scientists working in the field of quantum mechanics have discovered that there's a, in fact, a point that is reached where it becomes impossible to subdivide matter further than a specific absolute tiny point. And once matter is divided into this infinitesimally small level, it can't get any smaller. This is the ultimate building block of the universe, they said. Scientists call it the fundamental particle. So to reach this point is an astounding accomplishment. But when they reached this point, they found something else. They, they found some profound implications. When matter is broken down to that smallest Point to that fundamental principle to the smallest component part it actually seems to lack locality they're figuring out a lot of these through those huge colliders you know the big atom smashers that are you know like miles and miles long and, and they smash atoms at the you know with below like at freezing celsius and so they, they've started to see that, that it lacks locality what does that even mean it means that it seems to wink in and out of existence, it seems to be move. It moves. It seems to even more astounding. Seems to know where other matter in the universe is all at the same time. And, and here's all they can say: They say it seems that each tiny piece of matter in the entire universe, when in this smallest state, is being controlled and maintained on an individual basis by something outside the system. The reason why is that matter, when it's in the smallest of small states, naturally acts fundamentally unstable and unpredictable, so unstable and unpredictable that matter shouldn't exist. Matter is that unstable. In fact, 
in this state, matter repels all other matter. Without a force holding it together, which scientists say we still can't figure that out or understand it, the universe should self-destruct, but it doesn't. Matter in this state should be in chaos, but somehow being kept in a state of perfect order. Each tiny piece by tiny piece. And the fact that it lacks locality has developed some of the latest theories, an increasing number of scientists to conclude that our universe is some form of highly sophisticated digital environment. In fact, what they say is, in point of fact, and many of the leading scientists are believing this now, our universe is a digital simulation, a digital universe being actively maintained by some outside power force or intelligence. This led scientists to conclude that there must be another universe or another dimension outside of our own realm of existence and, and that our known universe just makes up a small part of some other greater, much larger whole reality. In recent scientific papers at the, from the University of Bonn, the overwhelming conclusion of the study was to indicate that our reality as we know and experience is simulated. What the study suggests in layman's terms, because some of you are going like, uh, okay, what? You know, that's what I did. It, it, it's just as the computer screens and televisions that we use are defined by a predetermined number of pixels per screen, which determines its quality. So our world, as it turns out, seems to be pixelated. The only difference is that our world has really, really high 3D definition. It's impossible to display an image for example, on a television that's not 4K, you can't put a 4K image. So in our universe, it seems that the energy level of cosmic rays snaps to the resolution of the universe in which we live. Now, some scientists refuse to acknowledge this discovery because the only inescapable conclusion is that our universe is a product of external design from a designer external to our known universe. The only logical and inescapable conclusion to these studies, in my opinion, is that a creator God who conceptualized, created, and keeps the universe, created it, and he keeps it each and every second of every day. So if this reality of space-time that we know as pixelation over another dimension is what we're experiencing, doesn't it just make sense that when the, this one dissolves, you'll see the real one. I mean, even the book of Revelation, again, talks about, it's like, okay, this dissolved with intense heat, and all, there was a heaven that you could see, and an earth, a new earth that God had been working on. If you want to know the name of the force that holds all this together, it's very simple from Scripture. His name is Jesus. For in him, says Acts 17, 28, we live and move and are. Jesus is in the spaces between us. Jesus holds our mortal bodies together. He's even given us some clues about that. You know, there's, there's this thing that is called the cell cohesion molecule. It's called laminin. If you study biology, you know what that is. Laminins are what hold us together. All the cells, there wouldn't even be a cell. They would just fall apart. We would not have a body if it wasn't for laminin. And 
Do you know what laminin looks like? I, I, I saw it this week. Take a look at what laminin looks like. This is a diagram of laminin. Is that strange? Now I'll take a look at it under electron microscope because it's the cell cohesion molecule. I think it's interesting that the glue that holds us together physically is in the shape of a cross. And I don't think it's by accident. You can say, oh, well, Mark, blah, 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 blah. But I think God has always given us these little clues as we discover more and more and more. You say, well, you went all around the universe. Let me come back, okay? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. There's a space between us. Powerful forces are at work. In fact, one powerful force is at work holding it, keeping it. Now I have a choice. Will I choose to fill the space between you and me with who I am, with my past experiences, or will I choose to fill it with what I see? Will I try to be God and fill the space between us, or will I allow God to be God and submit to the truth that he fills the space between us, his power moving in the space between us, what God can do in the space between us. What about the space inside me? I'm trying to hold it all together. I, I got to hold it together. I got I to, gotta, I gotta, really? Are you God? Or does God hold these things together? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let me give you an example of Jesus. Because he was God. He was that perfect example. Remember in Hebrews it says he, he showed us what God looks like because he was God. Jesus and Peter, for example. You remember when Jesus met Peter? Peter was this cussing, swearing sailor that he was just all over the place. You couldn't depend on him for anything. And Jesus looked straight at him and says, your name is Simon, but I'm changing your name to Peter. What does Peter mean? Rock. Peter, I see you as a rock. And all the other guys are going like, rock? <laughs> That's crazy. He's the, he's the farthest. No, Jesus saw him through God's space. What about when he betrayed him? Remember, they're there at that last little supper, and, and, and Peter goes, hey, everyone else might betray you, all those other people, but I will never betray you, ever. I will die for you. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you're going to betray me three times before the rooster crows. But look what he says in Luke 22, 31 through 33. He says, Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has demanded to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you've turned back to me, he says, I see that you're, I'm looking through God's face. You're going to turn back to me and be restored. I want you to make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. The ultimate example of seeing through this God space, I would say, would be Luke 23, 34. Jesus on the cross. And listen to what it says. While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over. Which is a really good translation of the original language. He prayed this over and over. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're 
doing. I want you to think about that for a minute because if I would have been Jesus, I would have said, God, curse them because they know exactly what they're doing. God, I'm going to, you know, bring me down off this cross. Let me slap them upside the head because they know what they're doing right now. And it's evil and it's wrong. And that's not what he said. As the nail was driven through his wrist, Father, forgive them through his feet. As they dropped him in that hole, that jagged hole, and it just racked his whole body. It was like, Father, forgive them. As they gambled for his clothes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's amazing. Love bends. Love leans into. Love is always looking for an opportunity to let an all-powerful force move in the space between us. Not trusting in that infallible human being that's on the other side of that space, but trusting God who fills the space, whose power is so great that he's holding every tiny particle of matter together right now, every atom. It's a powerful thing to look at someone and say, I really choose to trust you. That's way better than, ha, I knew you were gonna fail me. I'm gonna write that down. I got the file cabinet on this. That's number 27, you know? No matter the circumstances, love continues to hope for the best because the hope is based in the fact that God's gonna accomplish his good purpose in the people and situations around us. After all, he put it all together in the first place, right? Some of us, it it almost seems like we like it when our spouse screws up because it gives us another excuse to be right. I told one guy in counseling, I said, you know, you, you are right a lot and you're gonna be the most right and most lonely man in the world. And that actually was a prophecy because that happened. But, you know, some of you, I knew he wouldn't come through. I knew he wasn't going to pay that bill. I knew that wasn't going to happen. I I mean, he's terrible with money. His daddy's terrible with money. His granddaddy's terrible with money. I bet his great-granddaddy can't handle money either or couldn't, you know. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. But let let me tell you what happens when you go negative. And some of you are going, negative? I'm not going negative. It's the truth. It's simply reality. I'm a realist and in your pixelated simulation you would be correct but you're not taking into account the outside force that created all this and is actively holding it all together when you go negative it communicates this no matter what you do no matter how hard you try you'll never measure up did you feel that in your family of origin some of you did You'll never hit the standard. You're never going to get to where I expect you to be every time you overtly or covertly or subtly communicate that in your relationship, you push the relationship away. They feel like they've disappointed you. What does it sound like to look through this, this space between us and allow God to be moving? It looks like this. Honey, I'm running late. What we would normally say is, You're running late. You're living late, girl, you know? What if you all of a sudden saw it and through the God space you said, that's okay. You just take your time. I'll be here waiting. I mean, you're worth it. Who stole my husband? That's what she's thinking, right? Uh, What is that? All of a sudden you've created margin. Honey, I I forgot to pay this bill instead of, I knew you were going to forget to pay it. I knew it. I've been waiting for you to forget to pay it. I'm right again. Well, that's okay. We'll figure it out. You've been really busy. We got a lot going on. Margin, margin, margin in the space. That's like, come my way. 
move my way. Yeah, there is this space between us, but I'm allowing God to fill this space. I'm gonna bring you closer to me. The more space there is, the more opportunities I have to say, but I love you anyway. God moving. Does that mean that you have a complete trust in that person? No, but do you trust God? Let me tell you, most of you, about your spouse's heart. Your spouse's heart, your fiance's heart, your friend's heart is like your heart. Our hearts are drawn to environments of acceptance. It's huge. So you have a choice. I put down some homework for you because some of you have to do some homework. Some of you are saying, I can never forgive them. The all-powerful God says then that you're making him a liar. This one that holds the universe together says, if you're looking through my space and you see me there, you need to know something. You have the power to forgive. Some of you are saying, I've never stepped into this relationship with God at all. Why wouldn't you not step into the relationship with the one who controls all of it, who's holding it all together? Step in and say, I'm full out for you. I want to go with you. I want to walk with you. God's got something really good here for us. And I want you to begin to, to just try to mull it over a little bit today. I know a lot of times that we, we go home and we forget about the message and we get busy with our lives. And we think, oh, that was pretty good. Let's go. Got a good hit of God today. I'm going to go. This is not what this message is about. This is about you begin, beginning to to think about how does this apply in my life? How does this work in my life? Close your eyes with me for just a minute. Kind of block everybody else out. There you go. You're in your own little reality right now, right? Nobody else around. But there's someone who is. If you could see with the eyes of your spirit, you would see your father who loves you. His heart is good for you. And he's saying, little one, there's truth in this today. You've lived your life not counting on my power. You've walked in your marriage not counting on my power. You've not forgiven because you haven't stepped into my power. I fill the spaces. I fill all the spaces. I hold you together. I hold it all together. I'm God. Little one. Will you let me be God for you? And your job is to say, yes, yes, be God for me. Jesus, you are all in all. You hold it all together. You control this whole universe that we know, our whole experience. We know there's another realm, it's the spiritual realm, that this is overlaid over that, and we will one day see that. And you said, so how do you want to live? We get that. But God, Jesus, right now we want you to be God for us. Amen.